Oh, here we are. It is Wednesday. It is the 8th of June. It is episode 524. I am here still with Kelly Callahan. Still. Still here Slogging with Kelly through. Callahan. So, Kelly, would you like to read our gift of the day today? Saying goodbye never got easier. I can't say that I was ever promised that it would get easier. I think I just assumed that it would. 25 years of caring for people with dementia and helping people pass on through hospice. Uh, we did do a, albeit non-accurate, but ballpark account of how many people I've helped facilitate into the next life. And it's well into four figures, which... It's hard to wrap your mind around, but if you break it down in terms of what that represents on a yearly basis with 25 years in the business, it actually isn't that unusual considering that my populations were hovering anywhere between 200 and 300 residents at any given time. Mm -hmm. And we would have probably at any given time 10 to 11 on hospice each month. So a thousand's not actually out of reach. So... I probably can say I helped over a thousand people pass on. My point is that it never got easier. It never got easier. There were some deaths that were so beautiful, like our good friend, Barb, who died reaching up to the sky and smiling with a, a very confirming smile. In my opinion, she was a former nun. And I believe that Mm. who came to pick her up was probably uh, very important up in the, uh, heavens and just the look on her face and then there was the opposite where you had someone who was in a lot of pain or in tremendous confusion or anxiety and the the family was along with the journey as well and vibing off of that and suffering along with them so it's weird to say but my last patient um it's still weird to say my last patient, my mm-hmm. final patient on mm-hmm. hospice, at least in the long-term care setting, which is a kind of a foreshadow to a project that Kelly and I are looking to move forward with, which is the death resort. But at least for now, my last patient was no different. It didn't get easier. Watching her pass was very, very tough. And the love was there and the empathy for the family was there. And it was a great patient. And a great family. Well, it's interesting that you said it was no different because I think probably what makes things not get easier is that every death is different from the other. I mean, there's, of course, things that they have in common, but these are individuals we're talking about who've lived individual lives and you get to know them. Yeah. You know, you're not just a hospital chaplain who comes in to say prayers at the end. You you know these people, you know their families. So how could it possibly be easy? It's not. And... You're right. It was no different in the sense that my reaction to the death was no different than the deaths that I've presided over in the past. Your point is well taken. You know, just a week prior, I was driving her around in the van and we were joking around about her husband's recent prostate exam. And (laughs) he claimed that it wasn't just a finger and uh, (laughs) and she was making fun of him. And I, I think I've made this clear and I made it clear to the family that and I'm getting choked up already that watching them, watching those two 
married for 60 plus years and the way that they revered one another and the way they still loved each other and even through the dementia it was sweetheart honey hope opening the door for her making sure she had food uh she was the one that was intact he had the dementia and i looked to you i think and said this is what i want our relationship to be like yeah it was a true model for Mm. a loving companionship a lifelong companionship and the reason why I'm getting upset is that, you know, he's now alone and doesn't have that at his disposal. But that being said, it was also uh, a connecting and bonding scenario, too. I arrived at the hospital. They were shocked to see me. That's not a normal thing for a gerontologist or a care home operator to do. It's normal for me. I've always visited my patients in the hospital um, and they were surprised by that and it bonded us just out of my actions my nurse showed up too which again is not normal and even the hospital's like well why are you guys here and i'm like Mm. oh jesus please why aren't other people here is the better question so yeah uh we moved her back under hospice again something that not everybody would do Mm -hmm. and i showed up the very next morning i i I, a normal person would be checked out by now knowing that the countdown had started and i wasn't going to be there much longer Right. You made one final gesture. You could have left it at that. Right. And I showed up at 7 a.m. And there I was moving a bed, a hospital bed, and still dressed in my pajamas. And (laughs) I knew it was imminent and I knew she was uncomfortable and she needed the hospital bed. So we we moved it in, in in the wee hours of the morning and sat and I spoke to the family. And this leads us to the next unbelievable story of the the family had flown in from multiple states. Right. Uh, The two daughters i think there are four total the two that were local were always there shout out to charmian what a great daughter right um but then the other daughters came in and kelly where were they from i couldn't even tell you but i know it's one of the states that we're going to because we we got another pin on our map of places we've been invited to on our cross-country trip which to me is a mind blower (laughs) So I mentioned because they in, in, in passing, like, like they should be even asking me what's going on in my world. I, it, their world was what needed the attention. Right. But they had the presence of mind to say, well, congratulations on your retirement. What's on tap. And I yeah. said, OK, well, maybe it's time for a, a change of topic and discussion. And I indulged and I told them about our road trip. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I live in Montana. You've got to come and, and stay it. with me in Montana. And I'm like, what? So now we've got a, a place to stay in Montana, a place to stay in, in South Dakota. Yeah. And then. The other daughter says, well, I live in Illinois, not far from Chicago. And I said, well, that's interesting because we're going to make a trip to Chicago uh, if for no other reason to visit a hotel that's in a movie. And she's like, what movie? And I said, well, you're not going to know the movie. And I had said that to you, that there was this movie that I loved and and there was no way you're going to know what it was. Mm -hmm. And you knew what it was immediately. And it's Mm -hmm. called Somewhere in Time. Mm -hmm. It's a love story with Christopher Reeves. and, And is it Christopher Reeve or Reeves? Christopher Reeve, I think. Christopher Reeve, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, who's the the female again? I can't, gosh. Is it Jane Seymour? Jane Seymour, thank you. So I said, you know, we're going to go visit this hotel. It's in the movie called Somewhere in Time. And the room went silent. And teary-eyed responses were, that was mom's favorite movie. I, I mean... What are the what are the chances? What are the chances? She they said she wore out the VHS, so they got it. To, they gave her a DVD of it because she watched it well over a hundred times and loved the music score, which is one of the only 
pieces of piano music that I know how to play without That's looking. Right. You told me that. It's just this constant bonding throughout this process. And one other thing, and if you're hearing a timer going off in the background, it's <laughs> we're we're smoking a Boston butt. That's an episode for another time. But at any rate, uh, as I'm sitting there and we're having this conversation, I can feel the bond in the room. I can feel the visceral connection that we now have through the road trip, through the, the somewhere in time, and through the gestures that were, were made by myself and my staff. Mm-hmm. And then there was the moment that I saw dementia from a different standpoint. In 25 years, I had this singular, well, an eclectic view, but mostly a singular view of dementia being uh, a real son of a bitch. But I saw it from a very different standpoint that day where her husband, her beloved husband was sitting bedside, but his dementia allowed him to be at a distance, at a safe distance. And it was almost like a medication in a sense where... The guy was hungry. He loved to eat. He was hungry. Oh, yeah. Now, typically in these situations, the family doesn't eat because they're overwhelmed with anxiety and the anxiety shuts off the the message to the brain to eat. And if you've ever been in heightened anxiety, you know this. You lose a lot of weight and, you know, mm-hmm. same with depression. Mm-hmm. And depression's really just in the classification of family of anxiety disorders. So this gentleman didn't have that. And he loved his McDonald's. And he got his milkshake and his hamburger and his French fries. And I looked over and there is my patient. I won't say her name, but um, she's laying in her hospital bed and her Hi. husband is holding her hand and his hamburger is resting on her, her wrist, her lifeless arm, because that's the side that had the stroke and his French fries were propped up against her, her shoulder. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is adorable. Oh, it's, it's such a telling image. I wasn't there, but you, you, the way you just told it and hearing it for the first time, you know, it makes a couple of different points, not only about what you just said about how dementia can sometimes liberate people from, from the worry and the stress because yeah. they're just in the present moment. That's, that's right. That's what I have loved about working with people um, and exploring creativity and just appreciation for what's immediately present. Um, but also their connection up until the very, very, very end. Yeah. The, the literal connection. I mean, he's right. leaning his sandwich on her, on her arm. They're right. connected. And they. what I saw in the time that I was around the two of them was that they they literally leaned on each other. And yes. not, in a, not in a way that was burdensome. Right. Um, or codependent. No. They, yeah. they liked each other. They, they complimented each other. And it's not just that one was one had dementia and one was totally... Um, cognitively normal. I mean, they both had some disabilities that right. um, that they they lived with, and they joked about, and they were happy together. Yeah, and um, it was a beautiful relationship to to witness. And I just you just gave me the homework. Oh, you good. just gave me the homework, and this this might come across as a little harsh. Um, it it might shock some of you as the school bell goes off in the background (laughs) i've got i've got a pretty tall order to give you if you are currently either looking for a relationship or more specifically if you're in a relationship right now and you don't have what we just described get the fuck out bail out bail out because chances are you've already worked on it chances are you've 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 got an image of what you want and it's not there 
and either you're not a fit for the other person or they're not the person's not cooperating with you and giving you what you want. If you don't have what these two people had, what's the point in having a relationship? And I believe that I have that relationship with you that someday you'll be resting your hamburger sandwich on my arm as I lay there after a stroke because you've had too much sex with me and I've lost my mind. Aye. <laughs> you can't see me rolling my eyes and wanting to knock on wood because David is constantly referring to uh, my demise. demise. Yes, that's exactly the word. But we have, it's true. We, we have talked multiple times about the ways that our differences complement each yes. other. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people would just write it off and, and run. You should look for them. I mean, don't just cut right. cut and run without at least looking for, for ways to... Um, to realize why you came together in the first place, even if you don't stay with them, yeah. right? My my homework was was harder than yours. Yours is a little softer, so you can take you can take my homework. Or you can take Kelly's homework. It's your choice this this uh, this episode. But I would like feedback, as we always like feedback. And and you know, I've been in situations where I took advice from someone and left a relationship, and I obviously couldn't be happier with that decision. So maybe our influence will make you just as happy and someday you'll be resting your hamburger <laughs> on your loved one's arm. Mm -hmm. But before that all happens, Kelly, what should they be doing? We're going to take advantage of our, our working bodies and our minds that appreciate nature and freedom mm. and, and blessings. And we're going to go out and fly our kites. Yaw Key.